but they're just hilarious oh, being serious. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, I, I never really saw that fantasy series as like Laurel and Hardy of. There you go. Abbott and Costello. Yeah. Another fine one you've gotten me into, Stanley. Caitlin, <laughs> I've been a bad boy. Welcome, folks. It is Geek Shock number 71. I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. And special guest. Jim, uh, the number one super fan. Jim, yeah. super fan. Good to have you on. Superman. Glad to be here. Super fan. Well, uh, what, what geeky things you do this week, guys? Come on. What you got? What you do? What was geeky? Uh, hmm. I did some photography for for a local restaurant. All right, I guess um, that's kind of geeky. Know, Sounds more jobish, though. <laughs> well, uh, it's, really? it's more jobish. You, paid? you, you took some yeah, pictures. I was, I was oh, paid. dude, you so, failed in your geekery. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, denied. No, well, other than that, I can't think of anything. No, apparently not. If you went right to photography for <laughs> for your, your, your week weekly, I like geekdom. my photography, but you know, this one was kind of getting tedious towards the end. It's like. How many more do we have to do? All right, cross that one off the list. Mm. Sounds like a blast. Yeah. Well, I, I'm not knocking yeah. the photography. You're getting somebody's paying you to right. do yeah. something. That's well, all. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Better, but better but, than doing it for free. But yeah. geekery? That, yeah, I don't know. Okay, I, I beat Borderlands for the second time. Only this time on a different system altogether. Is that with the? Uh, <laughs> Is that with the additional content? Yeah. There's additional content in there, but I, I got to the point that I was playing the content so much that my character was leveling up so high. Mm. I was like, I have to go back and quickly defeat the game so that I can get the second playthrough to get my levels high enough to make the items that are dropped worthwhile. Oh, okay. So I went and like, beat it in a half hour with the, my, my dude. And now, yeah, now second playthrough. Now I'm dr- it's dropping the hardcore shit. Wow. Yeah. How about you, Jim? What geeky thing you do this week? Uh, I got banned from RuneScape. <laughs> okay, do that, tell. That, that's kind of cool. Yeah, that is. Please, please. Uh, not, I'm, how? I'm not exactly sure. It could have been calling that one one guy a douchebag, but um, I don't know. Wait, that calling someone a, a douchebag on a video game that that never happens. How? Yeah. I was gonna say that's, that that's almost uh, that's almost a right. These yeah, days. I, I don't know. I just you know, I just woke up the night. I woke up the next day to get on and just kind of chill out. And like oh, you've been banned for you're in the red zone. I'm like, oh, okay, wow. I'll, I'll just go to one of the other 50 MMOs that are out there. They're free to play. Yeah, thanks. Wow. Oh, and, and I put a set of lockpicks in my pocket. Is that kind of geeky? There you go. Uh, it depends. Did you use them to open a chest? <laughs> I, I'm not. I, I refuse to answer that. Is that the one that that, that looks like it's pressed out of a credit card? The, the no, I have. I have that one. These one. These are uber light yeah, titanium. Yeah, titanium and non-ferrous. Oh, oh my word! They're yeah. Wow, picks. Nice. They're they're really light. They're pretty cool. That's probably that's a plus a, three to his open locks roll. Yeah, yeah. look at that. Holy so, mackerel! That's kind of like the ones that you would get uh, off of Think Geek. So I guess that could be geeky. That is the yeah. official. Uh, so, wow. yeah. Kirsten, what geeky thing you do? <clears throat> um, well, courtesy of someone generous with his DVD collection, I've been watching the original Battlestar Galactica. Uh-huh. Uh, yes. uh, something I haven't done actually uh, since, since it first came out. Yeah. Um, I was uh, talking to you earlier, uh, Torgo. Um, Battlestar Galactica premiered the night my father left the country to work overseas. And my mom and I, being big sci- sci-fi geeks, were anticipating it coming out. We went out to the airport. We lived on Long Island. Two-hour drive from JFK. Took Dad out to the airport. Saw him off. And we're racing home to watch the pilot. Got stuck in traffic. Missed the first half of the pilot. Oh. So I got to see the first half of the pilot finally, after all, all these this years. Time. 
Oh, yep, and I've been watching it, and it's just it's been weird going through that, watching that, and remembering. And who sure doesn't so. love him some Marin Jensen? I mean, a lot of people were oh, in, yeah. the, in the Lorette's bang, but come <clears> on, <throat> Marin Jensen. Now Athena, oh, yeah. Cassiopeia. Yep, yeah, I you know poor 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 Dirk Benedict just having to choose. Yeah, <laughs> so. the kind of problems you want to have. Yeah. All right, let's go ahead and jump in, gentlemen. You news you don't give a shit about. Apple as in the computer company, All right. has been awarded a trademark for the phrase, there's an app for that. Lord. They own that now. Oh, great. Which you, of course, have heard in connection with the iPhone, the iPad, the App Store that's powered their success. Apple applied for the trademark on December 4th, 2009. Here's what the trademark covers. Retail store services featuring computer software provided via the Internet and other computer and electronic communication networks. Retail store services featuring computer software for the use of handheld mobile digital electronic devices and other consumer electronics. So, yeah. So, when you put, there's an app for that, you owe them a nickel. I got a nickel for them. <laughs> yeah, I'm going I'm to... A roll of nickels. How about? Um, <laughs> in a sock? Yeah. News you don't give a shit about. According to a recent poll conducted by Interpret... Quote, a leading inter- entertainment, media, and technology measurement and market research firm, 63% of gamers believe video game console firmware updates make their television capable of 3D display. Huh? The survey was taken online by 1,500 people, and 63% of the console owners apparently didn't know that their television's hardware had to be capable of 3D in order to display 3D. Wow. However, the information regarding the survey didn't divulge specific details to determine whether or not we knowledgeable gamers should fear the collective awareness of our kin, such as if these gamers had an HDTV or understood how HD worked, or if these console gamers were merely casual gamers without the associated tech-savvy knowledge that generally accompanies the gaming hobby. wonder if uh, there's a survey out there about Wii owners, that uh, whether they think that uh, their Wiis can... Uh perform high-definition graphics or not. I don't know, but I believe there's an app for that. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh I, I, owe, I owe that. Sorry. <laughs> Actually, so, that, so that what that means to me is that that tells us we now have a number for the, um, you know, 63% of the species needs to be weeded out. <laughs> um, we have grown to the point where that is, that is our number now. Oh, now, yes. Anybody that's watched Idiocracy can... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> see, Kirsten got that one. <laughs> I haven't seen that yet. I know, and it kills me. I, I, I reference that movie all the time. And you do, you, don't you do. Get, you don't get at all what I'm talking about. I need to watch this mu- movie you, to understand you. I, one of these there days, I'm just going to have to, like, you know, bound you to the couch with, like, <laughs> some freaking, you know. Please don't. There's enough rumors already. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll, I'm just going yeah. to tie oh, you to yeah, the couch no, no, with on. some heavy ropes and make you watch Idiocracy while I go... Watch something in the other room. All right. Yeah, but, you know, just I just want to just throw a little little edge in there. Just speaking of watching something in the other room, uh, Jeff was uh, visited this week oh, by Lord. the the twelve year old decorating fairy. God, um, <laughs> what an ass! <laughs> I got home late what? from work, and Torgo had decorated my room like a thirteen year old girl. His 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 wall and ceiling were covered in uh, Twilight, J- Justin, Justin Bieber, Bieber and <laughs> other things that I didn't recognize. <laughs> yeah, I was not happy to I, say the least. How long till you discovered the one behind your door? 
I have to know this. Um, well, it wasn't until I closed the door to change out of my <laughs> uniform that I caught that one. And wh- why did they have to? Why did they have to go there and make vampires gay? And I don't mean gay g a y. I mean g h e y. Why? When, when did when did vampires have to become lame? Is there no? I want me some vampires that rip throats out. Well, they still exist. They're still out there. I don't right? want sparkly ones. I want someone, explosive ones. Someone out there does, but Kirsten, you you were referencing another podcast. They actually made a, an interesting point. Yes, description. It, uh, the postcards from the dungeon guys actually uh, were discussing vampires, pop culture, and stuff. And one guy's viewpoint was he found Twilight a lot easier to swallow if you view them not as vampires but as dark fae. That makes sense because they're kind of like superhumany. Humans and roaming around the forests and stuff, and kind well, dark, of other dark fairies. Okay, yeah, big fairies. Man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and, and then, and of course, then that ties into your whole gay thing. So there you are. G H E Y. Disclaimer: I don't say that around Anderson Cooper. Yes, yes. Eating your curds and whey. Okay, right. All right. News you don't give a shit about. Much to the chagrin of some fans, the films of John Carpenter are proving to be fertile ground for remakes on and offshoots. Uh, Halloween, The Thing, Escape from New York, just a sampling. According and uh, along with the development plans for Escape from New York, there may at some point be a new version of They Live, which originally uh. cast Rowdy Roddy Piper as the man who learns aliens have infiltrated America's ruling classes and are flooding commerce with subliminal messages. I love that movie. Well, so, at, so reality. Okay. <laughs> at the New York Comic Con, the thing producer Eric Newman talked about the possible remake, offering up the name of the current writer and noting that the special sunglasses that were key to the original film might be phased out of the remake. That seems kind of stupid. Yeah. And who's going to play the lead? John <clears throat> Cena? <laughs> I think they should get another wrestler, though. Yeah, John just, Cena. Yeah, or, just a. Yeah. Yeah. This, who, I, I, that shows how much I know about wrestling. Who's John? John who? Uh, he's one of the WWE guys. He's okay. been in a couple of movies. Yeah, recently. the the Marine or something. Yeah, and, like that was that one and like some other one, like Twelve Rounds or something. Well, like that. let me ask you this: did, did Roddy Piper was he in a movie before this one? Anybody aware of? I no, don't think no. so. I don't think All right. So. In that case, we need to get a wrestler that has never been in a movie before All to right. play the role. I, I might be going back a ways, but I say we get Coco Beware. Rock on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do the bird. Yeah, yeah. I remember Coco. Oh, God. That was one of, that's one of Paul's favorite characters to play on the... He w- just likes the w- bird. Tree. Yeah, he, he does. just likes the that's, dance. That is true. He Why does that not surprise me? Because <laughs> there's not much that Paul does that surprises anyone. Yeah, really. There you go. You know, that they live, though, as a reality show. And he said, from reality, I was just thinking of that. And wouldn't it be great if you could find one person who actually believed that aliens had infiltrated culture and then just surround them with a bunch of Jersey mooks and film for the next 12 months? There's an, <laughs> there, there is an entire website of those people. There you go. We have a place to go is to, it okay to draw to mention from. It? Hell, I, sure, why not? I waited on one of them at work the other day. <laughs> I, I, uh-huh, there you go. I say go for it. I don't yeah, know. This guy, this guy walked up and asked me for a coffee for free. Right, and he's at the same time asking. He's got this little three by five card that has at the top written CIA underlined, and then just marking X's <laughs> through the card in various points. So yeah, I think he's a good candidate. There you go, uh, perfect. perfect. News you don't give a shit about. 
The most widely syndicated cartoon panel in the world is about to make its live-action big-screen debut. Moreover, it's being envisioned as a franchise. 20th Century Fox and Walden Media got the rights to Bill Keen's comic, The Family Circus, which introduced in the 60s has since been released in compilations that have sold over 13 million copies worldwide. Deadline says Fox and Walden competed for the rights with several other studios, but beat them out with a seven-figure deal against their six figures. Bob Hildenberg and Rob Muir, co-writers of Tinker Bell and The Great Fairy Rescue, have been hired to write the screenplay. Producing the film are John Baldaducci of Ultraviolet and Cutthroat Island fame and Stacy Mace of Jumper fame. Wow. I smell wow. a winner. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. What the hell is the plot of Family Circus? Live action Family Aren't Circus. Aren't kids cute? With their aimless little observations and their is there gonna, so subtle religious is there going to be yeah. these the pseudo uh, pretend friend not me running around and you causing know, mischief? The, if they Boo. don't have not me in there, I call foul. You got to have a not me. Otherwise, I call foul no on the fact that they're doing this anyway. <laughs> <laughs> is it that, seven figures? Wow. Isn't that just Family Guy neutered? Uh, yeah. Sort of? Yeah, pretty much. Heavily neutered. Neutered yeah. spade. Who really wants to watch that? Uh, you know. Full-on eunuched, I guess. Yeah. Is yeah. Really yeah. The, yeah, yeah. With the little training wheels right. instead of rear legs. I mean, uh, what other big hit single-panel comic was out there? Marmaduke? That's the Lockhorns. That, Henry? That's what America <laughs> needs. That actually has more plot potential to it. <laughs> yes! Well... <laughs> Well, thank thank goodness for Phil for what is it, Bill Watterson, and he's he's ne- he's never whored out Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah, I agree. Th- thank goodness for him. Yeah. Well, e- even Berkeley breathed kind of whored out um, Bloom County when, okay. but that it, I have to admit that is one of my favorite um, holiday movies. It's like the second one I watch the day after Thanksgiving is uh, A Wish for Wings at Work. <laughs> that that was actually pretty cool. <laughs> nice. Well, you know the thing that kills me is I think that Bloom, uh, not Bloom County, uh, Calvin and Hobbes is one of those cases of, geez, wouldn't it be great if this did whore out? Because then you know you'd get a little more mass consumption of something that's really worth consuming. True. <clears throat> but at the same time, you don't want to see it shat upon. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it's it's a it was brilliant, but you know Hollywood can could quickly destroy it. Yeah, you don't want it to be embraced by the same culture that embraced Jersey Shore. <laughs> or Twilight. Wasn't the far side pretty much single panel? Yeah, it was yeah. single panel, yeah. but boy, that, that, that'd be even rougher to find a plot yeah. in, I think, than yeah. Family Circus. I used to love that. Well, the little it, bunny kind of... tied up in the room, they could make something out of that. I stopped buying the daily calendars after a while because they started getting doing a lot of repeats. Right, right. Cause you're like, or like, you could have oh. just bought the books. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that, that big collection that De- compendium thing? Yeah, the big monster ones. It's like the Book of Destiny, you yeah. know, from uh, Sandman. You, you expect a chain connecting it to its lectern. It's just a <laughs> monstrous friggin' thing, yeah. yeah I almost see <clears throat> Farsight as, well, akin to Jackass. Um, it's kind of, a one, kind of a one-panel thing. It's just, mm-hmm. you know... And I, 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 do, I do love to watch pe- idiots, complete idiots hurt each other, and mm-hmm. you know, that's the draw. I mean, we, li- we grew up with the Three Stooges. Sure. Um, but, you know, it's, I see that kind of off-kilter, single, you know, it, you know, each little skit is just a panel. Yeah. Speaking of 
Jackass 3D opens on Friday. Yeah, it sure does. <laughs> and that's that is all the news that you don't give a shit about. So let's do the real Thank stuff. Goodness. We can get. Yes. There's a lot of interesting stuff that's happened on this one. So we'll start with the Doctor. Doctor Who. Doctor what? Doctor Who will be filming in the United States for the first time in the television series' 47-year history in the upcoming season. Really? Oh, boy. The bits filmed in the U.S. will be filmed in Utah and will be part of the upcoming season's two-part opener written by current season head Stephen Moffat. (laughs) Excuse me. Cough, cough, cough. Uh, Doctor Who, as a franchise, has filmed in the U.S. once before. Though, judging by the BBC's announcement that it will film the U.S. for the first time, they don't seem to consider that movie worth yeah. remembering. <laughs> yeah, the, the joint Fox-BBC reboot that was supposed to have. Yeah. To be that, fair, yeah. that was a subpar movie, and this is the television main Doctor Who. Yeah, that was, that was a little rough. The, I never saw it, but then the again, again yeah, I find mostly uh, old Who rough. Well, yeah. it's, it's, yep. It started off with uh, Sylvester McCoy's... Doctor Who, which was the last of the the uh, the Doctors from the original television series. And okay. I want to say ending in, God, it was like 91, 92, something like that. All right. Maybe 93. And then uh, it, uh, uh, like a year or so went by, and then they tried to do that joint. It was supposed to like air simultaneously both in the U.S. and in, in England, and it was supposed to have uh, Paul McGann. Okay. I think it was his name. Uh, was it a, as the doctor. It was an attempt to introduce it to the United States or It was kind of, I mean it, it had always aired here on, you know, PBS right. and so forth. But uh this was like the first time that they were going to try to make it a prime time show because okay. it had always been shown, you know, in repeats after they'd already aired in England, usually years after they'd aired in England here in the US on PBS. So that was their attempt to kind of, you know, run them simultaneously. And then, you know, because it airs in prime time in England currently, and I guess it did back then too. But uh, just uh, was not a, not, a great, uh, not a great film. And uh, yeah, in fact, uh, Eric Roberts was the, the heavy in that TV movie. So that tells you anything. Suddenly I'm interested. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about that. I, I mean, look what we did. When, look what we did with the the Americanized remake of Hitchhiker's Guide. We took a brilliant little thing. Mm. You know, even the t- thing yeah. that e- the TV show that aired on the BBC was pretty brilliant. Yeah, lots, really. lots of dry wit, and then sure. we got a hold of it and stuck Zooey De Channel in there. And <laughs> uh, what special torture that was! <laughs> the only good thing was I kind of dug the the opening song so long and thanks for all the fish, but that's that true. Was, that was about the only thing that was redeeming at all in that I in remember that enjoying it overall, but you're I right. The BBC TV, well, I, I enjoy much more. You know, I just thought about that. The, the, the Doctor Who, the TV movie that mm-hmm. was supposed to be the pilot for the new series, they reference that every now and then on the current Who series. Like when he's looking back at, you know... Uh, like, so you it's know, canon. Somebody. So it... it I guess it would kind of be canon, and he is part of the the twelve doctors set that I have in my uh, that I got at Comic Con. So 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 so, so I guess the BBC being selective memory is what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, it sounds like it. So, yeah. Anyway, interesting. Well, when developer Gearbox Software took it upon themselves to steal away one of the video game industry's best jokes, 
the ludicrous 12-year-long development period for Duke Nukem Forever. <laughs> Gamers everywhere were both astounded that the game would actually be coming out and sad to lose one of our industry's most venerable jokes. <laughs> when Gearbox took over the development, gamers humorously wondered if their pre-orders from 12 years ago will be honored. At a press event in London, Randy Pitchford, Gearbox head honcho, informed VG247 that a lot of people pre-ordered the game once upon a time and doesn't want any negative feelings regarding old pre-orders that aren't honored to reflect on Gearbox. So... They're in talks with games retailers to see what they can do about it. Again, taking away another fine joke. <laughs> well, damn them to hell. But at the same time, that's pretty damn cool. If they're going to mm -hmm. find a way to do a 12-year-old pre-order. But uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, funny. who actually pre-ordered that thing and, and has not, I'm not already? It, I'm not saying it was a smart move. I'm just saying that's nice of them. Sure. And I'm, hey, that's more press, because let's face it, I'm sure... I knew that Gearbox did Borderlands, I mean, uh -huh. but I am now very aware that Gearbox did Borderlands because of all the Duke Nukem stuff. Sure. Just them taking on this project has given them a wide-open press. Amount, yeah, a huge amount of press. Uh, I'm just curious as to... Okay, if, if you pre-order a game, and two years goes by, and the game has not hit the stores... Aren't you going to kind of turn that pre-order into store credit or something and buy something that's actually <laughs> Roll available? It It'd yeah. be interesting to see what the actual data on that is. How many pre-orders are sitting there just floating in the financial right. ether and who waiting to be honored? Yeah. You know? exactly. who, who would still have a 12-year-old Who remembers? Yeah. Who rem who's even still playing get video games? Right. <laughs> like, did I pre-order that 12 years ago? Was that me? Um, and how much did they lay down? Yeah, that's a good question. Thirty bucks? Yeah. Who knows? That's yeah. It's like lay down two dollars, get a poster and a pre order, right? Yeah, so yeah. I can say if it's, it was GameStop, if you laid down ten dollars twelve years ago, it's probably worth about two dollars now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> was GameStop even around then? Adjusting yeah. the pre order to Where inflation. Really? <laughs> GameStop's been around for a while. I thought that would be like oh, Babbage's. Yeah, so that was yeah. when Babbage's hit my head too. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh. yeah, how'd that work out? Wow. Pretty sure GameStop was around before I moved out here, and I've been out here ten years. Well, huh. bl well bless him in the face. <laughs> DC Comics have announced that they're cutting standard thirty-two page issue prices by a dollar, from three ninety-nine to two ninety-nine. According to DC, as co-publishers, we listen to our fans and our partners in the retail community who told us that three ninety-nine price point for thirty-two pages was too expensive. Fans were becoming increasingly reluctant to sample new titles, and long-term fans were beginning to abandon titles and characters they'd collected for years, said Dan Didio, DC Comics co-producer. We needed a progressive pricing strategy that supports our existing business model and, more importantly, allows this creative industry to thrive for years to come. With the exceptions of oversized comic books like annuals and specials, we are committed to a $2.99 price point. And in a change that was totally planned out and has nothing to do with DC's slightly previously announced decision, Marvel Comics are also dropping the price of a regular-sized monthly comic to 3 bucks starting in January. My question is, how many more ads are they going to be pumping into those issues to make yeah, up really. that dollar? That is actually a fine question. <clears throat> On a related note, DC will be increasing the number of annuals and specials by 200%, <laughs> reducing the number of standard 32-page comics by 50%. Yeah, and here's kind of what I wonder. Um, 
down at Universal Studios Florida, uh-huh. um, there's the Marvel Superhero Island. Right. Well, Marvel being bought by Disney, Disney. who is a direct competitor, I, I kind of was wondering, well, are they going to approach DC and bring in the DC characters and kick the whole Disney thing out? Um, That's a fine question. It is a daisy chain of corporate dick-sucking, and who no one's throwing anyone anywhere. Well, there, there's two things up in the air with this. One... The, one of their most popular rides there, and well, until they opened up Hogwarts, was the Spider-Man interactive adventure. Yeah, and you really couldn't redo that without some. Yeah. And it's uh, so beloved, you'd probably have a backlash for doing it. What the Blue Beetle interactive adventure? It wouldn't uh, translate. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> and you know the, the, bo- the Booster Gold experience. There you go, baby. <laughs> and and, and da- damn the it, greatest my, my, superhero my you never heard of. Fifty bucks because of that 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 stupid Hogwarts junk. <laughs> but my- also, apparently, there's a still a Marvel superheroes theme park still being built in. Um, uh, in Dubai. Oh, right, right, so, right, right. I think that got put on hold. I imagine of, probably did. Um, Dubai being... Dubai? Tanked. Dubai is... Uh, <laughs> yeah. They're, 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 uh, uh, they're in a financial uh, quandary Bind? right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, my, my thought is they'll probably end up keeping that down there in Disney just because... Or, excuse me, down in uh, Universal Florida because... Why uh, take something away when you can charge people to license right. it out? And also, I believe Six Flags owns the DC license, if my memory serves, now that I think about it. As far as for amusement parks? As far as amusement parks, because they have the Riddler roller coaster, they have the probably, various I, Batman roller coasters. Warner's probably owns a share in Six Flags. I believe they do, because th- I believe their characters, are they have Bugs Bunny walking around, yeah. if my memory serves. Darn so. it. There right. you go. They should just kick them out and make it Star Trek Island. Yeah, well. There you go. <laughs> That would be cool. I'd go. Well, the Board of Elections and Ethics in Washington, D.C. invited hackers to test vulnerabilities within its pilot online voting program that is intended to help overseas voters easily place votes without the somewhat annoying absentee ballot process. Uh Uh-oh. A team of University of Michigan students hacked into the system and left their school's fight song in as a prank. (laughs) Along with the university's fight song playing after each user cast a ballot... Another flaw in the system returned blank ballots when a user would vote with a Mac. The online voting program was apparently closed after the leaks were discovered. <laughs> yeah. Back to the drawing board. Wait, so they challenged the hackers. They challenged the hackers, which, of course... Well, went, what the... Yeah. You, okay. I, I say give them 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really? Well, it's like, now, on the other hand, no better way to figure out your security. I that's mean... That's true. If you're seriously like, I want to test this out, hackers, give it your best... You're going to find out your vulnerabilities. Yeah, quickly. But if you're being defiant and, you know, like waving your dick in the breeze, try this, hackers. <laughs> you're you going like, to wish you zip up your pants real quick. I was going to say, at least they gave it, you know, a test as opposed to back when DeBold released their, oh, their, right. di- their electronic voting um, machines that were fraught or wrought with, uh, with vulnerabilities. Yeah. I like that Freudian slip there. And, and that is, <laughs> really, that, that was in the true spirit of hacking. That, you know, the, the original, you know, 1984 hack or so hacker creed was, you know, you can't destroy anything. It's, you know, you can't mess up somebody's data or personal stuff. And it's got to be funny to at least somebody. I mean, you, you look at the guys down in uh, Texas that were, were getting the road signs and putting danger raptors ahead. 
Yes. Uh, not Nazi <laughs> yes. zombies at the freeway. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Those guys. Bless them in the face. Love them. Yeah, really, well, that's yeah, what really. you do for a living, right? Is testing vulnerabilities, yeah. essentially? Yeah. Yeah. So. There you go. So you need to just go in and change the fight. Todd thought about uh, doing that. Didn't you think about doing that for a while there? In no, college, I still think uh, about doing certified that. Certified ethical <laughs> hacker. Certainly. Well, it was just keeping it in Washington. Monday afternoon. A Washington, D.C. police officer responding to emergency call narrowly missed crashing into Optimus Prime before slamming into Bumblebee (laughs) on the set of Transformers The Dark of the Moon. First off, it's called Transformers The Dark of the Moon. I know. That's terrible. You know what? After the whole Spider-Man musical debacle, no one's allowed to use the word dark in any superhero Turn property. Turn on the dark of the moon, would you ever please? Again. Yeah, they're actually filming part of it uh, about, I don't know, 30, 30 minutes east of me. Um, really? Yeah. It, uh, I, I didn't get in as, a, as an extra because, well, I'm not, really, I'm not a handsome person. Um, you need but, to be handsome to be extra in that one? You I have to blow up real good, huh? Well, yeah, I guess you know. Uh, what's what's her face needs pretty people around her. You got you, you've got to you've got to be Michael Bay's vision of what extras are. <laughs> there you go, Michael Bay's America. <laughs> well, the accident was beautifully caught on tape by a local news team. Video <laughs> shot by uh, my Fox DC, who was on the scene. They reported that the police officer, a 25-year veteran senior explosive ordnance technician, was not supposed to be on the set. He sustained minor injuries and was taken to the hospital. He was responding to an emergency call to inspect a suspicious package. The police department released the following statement. Earlier today, a MPD barked cruiser responding to an emergency assignment collided with a vehicle involved in the filming of a movie at 3rd Street in Maryland Avenue Southwest. The officer sustained minor injuries and was transported to a local hospital. No civilian injuries have been reported. The Metropolitan Police Department is investigating the facts of the crash, and filming of this movie is on closed D.C. city streets has been suspended until safety procedures can be reviewed. I saw the video. It's it's glorious. I, I, I remember wow. when I read that on, uh, on, I think it was, well, when I turned my computer on, I was reading about that. It's like, he had to go through, like, where they had the roads blocked off yeah. quite a ways before he actually got onto the set. <laughs> Just, well, you, you see- it boggles my mind. You're like, oh, is is it that? I mean, I've 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 met a lot of cops over the years, and they just kind of, uh, not all of them, but a lot of them have this attitude is like, well, that doesn't apply to me. Yep. When, oh, when yeah. they run into things, so if they run into a roadblock, it's like, like you know, especially if they don't know what it's there for, it's like, well, that doesn't apply to me because I'm an officer of the law. Right. So they're you know going to blow right through it, you know, unless there's it's. You know, blocking off a giant hole in the ground, they're probably gonna just ignore it. Right. Well, he swerved to miss Optimus Prime, who was yeah. head straight form, like direct on. He swerved yeah. out of the way, and then Bumblebee pulls out right in front of him, and it's just, oh, poor Bumblebee. Yeah. Uh, so poor Bumblebee. Dra- drain on the Energon Bank. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, and, pink, and the pink cube. It's gonna need you know? a new radio. Not to mention increasing the budget of the movie. That's yeah. just yeah. You know. We have to go buy another GM <laughs> GM uh, Chevrolet Camaro. And we have to make sure we get it canary yellow. Oh, it's such an awful color. Hey, I own, I, I own two matching GTOs in double yellow, by the way. Really? <laughs> yeah. All right, that's some geek cred, right? There. Yeah, All that's right, it. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you cred for that. <laughs> well, well, the wife stole mine and left me with her gray, boring Ford uh, Grand Prix, so I'm like, yeah, this isn't going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> 
With the latest in a long line of milestones for the rock band franchise, MTV Games and Harmonix have announced that the last track pack released for the music store will put the total amount of available tunes past 2,000. Nice. Rock Band has now surpassed all other music rhythm games available combined in terms of content, offering over 800 bands once the third installment of the series releases later this month. Harmonix has also announced that gamers have downloaded from the store a massive 75 million times. Wow. Yeah. That's where the money's made there. Wow. 75 million? 75 million times. And the BitTorrent group has downloaded it 750 million times. <laughs> <laughs> so that's so at three bucks a pop. The new one's going to four bucks, something like that, for the the new Rock Band three with the pro guitar stuff. Oh, I it's yeah. gonna be just fine. Yeah. They're gonna be They're, just fine. <laughs> Harmonics is not hurting for anything right now. According to Blaster, Morgan Freeman has been trying to get an adaptation of Arthur C. Clarke's first contact classic, Rendezvous with Rama made for almost 20 years with David Fincher on board to direct. Mm. And the Oscar winner says he's closer than ever. While doing press for his upcoming action comedy, Red, Freeman let it slip that he's still very much committed to getting his longtime passion project in which a massive spacecraft, dubbed the Rama, enters the solar system off the ground. The good news, David Fincher is still involved. The bad news, no one's managed to crack the Rama script in decades, and the right-in-the-middle news, Freeman's convinced that 3D is the only way to do it. Hmm. Anybody here read uh, Rendezvous with Rama? Negative. No. no. I remember when they released that uh, text parser computer game for the Commodore 64 way back when. Oh, wow, yeah. yeah. Where they were doing it based off of books when they were doing you know, Michael Crichton's Amazon. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. But I never played it. Hmm. Wow. That's how I know Rendezvous with Rama. Mm. Commodore 64. <laughs> wow. I loved that machine. Actually, I, I like the old Coco Three with the with the uh, uh, cassette tape on the side. That was oh, your, your yeah. program. Remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we we discussed cassette tapes uh, a little while. It's going to be up in a special edition coming soon. <laughs> oh, the joy of the cassette! Press play on tape. And speaking of the eighties, more <laughs> Ghostbusters Three news! Yay! Oh, yeah. I think Ghostbusters 3 has become the, the Duke Nukem forever. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, filling the vacuum. Ghostbusters are the ghosts. Yeah, there you go. Despite some very public misgivings from Bill Murray on the prospects of getting the Ghostbusters back together, Dan Aykroyd is busily rewriting the script and promises not only that the sequel will be good, but it will pass the torch to a new generation, as we've stated before. Back in August, the notoriety press shy Murray gave a rare interview to GQ, which he said... He didn't have high hopes for the writers, Gene Stupinski and Lee Eisenberg, who wrote the prehistoric floppity year one, hired to script Ghostbusters 3. Quote, well, I never went to see year one, but people who did, including other Ghostbusters, said it's one of the worst things they'd ever seen in their lives, so that dream just vaporized. That was gone. <laughs> wow. Wait, didn't Harold Ramis right. direct year one? <laughs> he did. Oops. <laughs> Call it like you see it, Bill. <laughs> now, Aykroyd remains far more optimistic than his counterpart. Quote, I think he was concerned that the writing on Ghostbusters 3 by these guys would not be up to standard, but I can tell you firsthand, I'm working on the script now, and those two, Stuspinski and Eisenberg, who are also writer-producers on The Office, wrote Bill the comic role of a lifetime, and the new Ghostbusters and the old are very well represented in it. We have a strong first draft, and Harold Ramis and I will take back, and I will take back, and I'm very excited about working on it. 
Aykroyd isn't in denial about the fact that he and his fellow supernatural exterminators are no longer the spry middle-aged men they were back when they shot the first <laughs> Ghostbusters back in the early 80s. Quote, Now, in Ghostbusters 3, my character's eyesight is shot. I got a bad knee, a bad hip. I can't drive the caddy anymore or lift the proton accelerator anymore. It's too heavy. We need young legs, new minds, new Ghostbusters. So I'm, in essence, passing the torch to the new regime. And you know what? That's totally okay with me. Hmm. Well. All right. Because I was worried, too, when I when I read that uh, the two guys from year one were writing this. Because mm-hmm. it did. I saw them in the theater. It sucked balls. And, you know, it, it says they're, what, producers on The Office? Or are they writers? Uh, writer producers. Writer producers. I... So many people tell me that they love The Office, and every time, every time I've thought about giving it another shot, and I've sat down to watch an episode, it disappoints me every single time. It's not funny. I I think it's because there's so many people that work in that environment to see it satirized (laughs) repeatedly, does something cathartic to their to their soul. Really, really, Dilbert. I mean, I I yeah, it's the Dilbert syndrome. I know people who don't understand Dilbert, and I read Dilbert, and I just I laugh until I hurt. Yeah, it's a bit ponderous for me. It's like, eh, okay, same bit, same bit, same bit. Eh. Unless somebody's hurting somebody, I don't want to see the same bit. (laughs) I mean, it's like Office Space. All right was such a funny movie, <clears throat> whether you have or haven't worked in an yeah. office environment. But I sit down to watch The Office, and I sit there going, okay, I could see where there is a potential for a funny joke there, but it's like they don't go to the finish line. It's like the joke starts, and they're in sight of the, t- of the tape. They could cross that finish line, but they stop about 10 yards short. They're Americans trying to write British. True. And, it, and, and I, will, I will admit I've not seen the British office. Um, it's supposed to be way more creative, I guess, than, than the American version. But uh, it, it's witty I haven't and, seen it. Yeah, it's witty and clever. Um, okay. and there, there's the difference. <laughs> it could be. Well, and it's uh, Ricky Gervais versus... Yeah. Um, well, the, the entire cast of the American version. Well, if you tried to have Americans do Shaun of the Dead, it wouldn't come off. Yeah, no. It, Shaun it, of the Dead was... That's true. A, it was mm. funny because it was British and it was yeah. written in that style. If we yeah. tried to do it, it just wouldn't work. No, I, I agree. A fine point. Well, a recent poll conducted to discover America's favorite writer turned up 10 of the usual suspects, but one name that was expected turned up missing. A recent Harris poll asked 2,775 U.S. adults aged 18 and over to name their favorite author, and here's what they had to say at number nine, J.K. Rowling and J.R.R. Tolkien as a tie. Ugh. Okay. We have no hope. Number eight, Dan Brown. <laughs> <laughs> number seven, Danielle Steele. <laughs> uh, this gets better, doesn't it? They must have uh, talked to a lot of females <laughs> in that poll. Number six, Dean Koontz. Okay. Number five, Tom Clancy. Number four, another tie with Nora Roberts and J.D. Robb. Uh, <laughs> where's the Twilight I don't know either person? of those two. Number three, John Grisham. Number two, James Patterson. And the number one favorite author is Stephen King, oh, as well-deserved, I might add. I was going to say, I'm like, where's Stephen King on yeah, this really. list? That's right. No Stephanie Meyer in the top ten. Wow. Yeah. 
And here I was about to ask for a ball peen hammer. Well, they did say <laughs> eighteen and <laughs> over. Myself so. with. So that's true. You're, you're cutting out a good half of the uh, the well, fan yeah. base. That's true. So it's <clears throat> it's uh, preteens and their mothers. That, Bingo. That, yeah. <laughs> as we can attest, no, having interviewed them there. In the movies, it's the fathers because they get dragged along. Yeah. I, I, I had a conversation with a friend who whose daughter dragged him along. It was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> so. Did it bring along little riff tracks? That's the way you do it. <laughs> that's how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he he said he was good. He kept his mouth shut, but uh, yeah, <laughs> that, that that right there takes <laughs> takes some stamina. That's, that's a father's love. Yes. Yeah. No kidding. That's a patience. <laughs> yeah. Discipline. That's that's what I'm looking mm-hmm, for. Yeah. Ridley Scott's free productions have teamed up with Fremantle, Headline Pictures, and Electric Shepherd to adapt The Man in the High Castle into a four-part BBC miniseries. Interesting. Uh Philip Dick's 1962 novel is set 14 years after World War II, in which the U.S. was defeated by Japan and Germany. Hmm. According to Scott, it's a joy and a privilege to be back in Dick's world. (laughs) (laughs) I only read them as 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 they say, folks. <laughs> I've been a lifelong fan. He is the master of creating worlds which not only spark the imagination but offer deeper commentary on the human condition. Howard is one of Britain's most highly regarded writers and will bring even more depth to Dick's classic. That Howard is Howard Brenton, who wrote the award winning BBC series Spooks and is at work on the screenplay. Hmm. No word yet on who might be directing or whether there's a chance Scott might choose to direct himself. Interesting. Where's Paul when we need him? He'll yeah. be very right. Oh, yeah. Dick's world! Yeah. Oh, oh, <laughs> I'd be losing it. I have oh. to admit, someday, if I ever make it as a writer, I would love to be on a science fiction convention panel dealing with Blade Runner and Elric and talking about why science fiction needs Dick and Moorcock. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I would gladly attend that panel. And it's encore. <laughs> If we ever have an Ugly Couch Show panel, maybe we'll invite you along there just you to do I that. think we right. have to insist. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, sci-fi book expert, Kirsten. Kirsten, please tell us your yes. feelings yeah. on Science sci-fi. fiction needs more cock and dick. Paul, get up, run up and down the aisle. Oh, ah! <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, audience. Ouch. <laughs> wow. We didn't even have Paul for that one. Woo. I had the pot up a little too high. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm the only like one who listens to this high. show in earphones, folks. <laughs> <laughs> this might be the last time listening to this show in earphones, folks. I didn't realize I could get that high with this thing. Ooh. In July, it was revealed that Mike Judge's Beavis and Butthead would be returning to MTV after a 13-year absence. <sighs> Beavis and Butthead will be returning to the big screen in 3D as well. What? <laughs> Beavis and Butthead will return to your local multiplex, and you don't have to wait long. They will return on October 15th, 2010. That's right, this week. What? The duo appear in a special animated 3D introduction that MTV commissioned for Jackass 3D. Oh. Nice. And what do Beavis and Butthead talk about in their special animated segment? Well, 3D, of course. <laughs> yeah. Thingies are cool. And don't worry, just because a segment was produced and projected in 3D doesn't mean Beavis and Butthead will have been converted into computer-animated beings. Everything is said to look exactly as it has in the previous 2D animated television series and movie, but with the 3D applied with different panes of depth. Wow. So yeah, bonus to your jackass watching 
Really? Yeah. Not the only talk about more cock. <laughs> <laughs> In January of 2011, IDW Publishing set to launch a multi-title crossover event named Infestation in which several of their flagship titles will be invaded by none other than, you guessed it, zombies. Oh, no. The event kicks off in January 2011 with Infestation Number 1 from writers Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning, which finds us in IDW's own Zombies vs. Robots universe just prior to some insane multidimensional event that seeds the rest of IDW's titles with zombies and infected robots. Hold on to yourselves, gentlemen. The event, robots? <laughs> the event continues throughout two bi-weekly issues from each of their blockbuster Hollywood line, which includes Star Trek, G.I. Joe, Transformers, and Ghostbusters, and will conclude in April 2011 with Infestation 2. The cover of the January previews catalog will feature the special Infestation Quatriac Im- image by a- artist Gabriel Rodriguez of Snake Eyes, Mr. Spock, Optimus Prime, and Dr. Peter Venkman under attack from a zombie. He said Peter. To conclude, oh, sorry, to coincide with the event, IDW will be issuing special embroidered sew-on patches featuring infected versions of each title's logo. Wow, sounds like Barnes & Noble's online uh, fanfic submission has gotten an early start. <laughs> <laughs> well, IDW, they're they're. I like IDW, respected. but wow. They're, they're taking just... the Marvel zombies route. It, but yeah, it just. It, oh come on! Sounds... I, I, no, I have to say, I, robot zombies—that's ridiculous. Got to be the most brilliant thing I've ever heard. Yeah, it's just yeah. you know, Hollywood's got to make one of those. They have it. Robot zombies? Tell me, have you? I haven't seen that. There you go. You're right. Uh-huh. Aha! <laughs> uh, it's out there. Michael Bay's fourth Star uh, Transformers movie <laughs> has been uh, set. There we go. That's it right there. Zombies. Oh, Transformers man. 4, Revenge of the Walking Dead. I, <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to this. I want to see Star Trek Zombies. Yeah, I, that, I do. That, that has... Uh, yeah. I, I want to see that go. Every freaking red shirt that, that Kirk left on a planet is going to come Borg? after him. That would work. Infected? Whoa. The Borg are pretty much zombies exactly. anyway. There you go. Well, yeah. But this, this ripe. Bring back all the red shirts. <laughs> G.I. Joe, I mean, Ghostbusters are given. Yeah. Transformers, we'll see what happens. But yeah, it's, it's the Star Trek one that uh, mm. that really pumps, I, pumps my nads. I Borg. remain I guess, skeptical. I guess they have done robot zombies with Borg. I'm sad now. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's been done. No reason to be sad, though. This is, be happy. This is, this is a Borg. celebratory moment. <laughs> oh, that's right. We January be, 2011. Mark your calendars, your new ones. You just that you're gonna get for Christmas. January 2011. Yes. One one one. Yeah. Yeah. One one one. One eleven. One one. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Either one. We'll take it. <laughs> what whatever binary form of calendar you want. <clears throat> Fan favorite holiday movie, The Nightmare Before Christmas, has seen its share of new DVD, Blu-ray, and theatrical releases over the years. Yes. The Tim Burton-produced and Harry Selleck-directed stop-motion animated classic has already seen a 3D release, so what could be next? Well, a 4D release, of course. It's been announced that The Nightmare Before Christmas will have a special 10-day run at the El Capitan Theater in Hollywood, one of my favorites, spanning from October 21st to Halloween night. 
The movie will screen in its Disney digital 3D format, but with a little something extra to push into the realms of 4D, such as wind and smoke effects within the theater. For those of you lucky enough to be in that area and want to make an evening of it, uh, you'll also have the option of taking part in the Pumpkin King Dinner, which you can set up with reservations. The Nightmare Before Christmas-themed dinner will run you $25 a person and offers four entrees to select from and some festive options like Italian eyeball soup, blood punch, and a ghoulish cupcake decorating contest. Each night will offer two shows to attend, but one particular night will be the one to aim for if you can snatch up some tickets before it sells out. This show is the 7 p.m. one on October 22nd, at which none, of, none other than composer Danny Elfman will be performing live. Elfman will conduct music for, from the upcoming Danny Elfman and Tim Burton 25th Anniversary Music Box Collection, which will be released in December. Well, I want to go. Wow. <laughs> I'd rather have Army of Darkness in three in 4D. That could be kind of cool. That would be a cool ride. See, a ride? Yeah. You're, it, you're going for a ride here? Yeah, I'm going to oh, go right. for a ride. If it's down in, in all right, di- all right, put it, put it all Disney. Right. All right, you got you got to walk me through this ride a little Rock bit. Rock me through the, the, a little bit of it. The not, Army, not the whole Army thing. of Darkness ride? Yeah, what happens it, it, on the it, Army of Darkness ride? And Beth David's dressed as a zombie? Oh, oh yeah, sorry, of course. Wait. That's that's a given. <laughs> um, I don't know. Walking skeletons come after you. All right, I mean, so... Your your basic animatronic uh, yeah dark, dark motion ride. simulator ride in the car. So is this a motion simulator thing like uh, I'm thinking like Star walk Wars? Through. I'm well, thinking walk through. Jeez, uh, you mean they've never done a walk through that with, incorporates with, motion with simulator? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I got it. Medieval. <laughs> I was you hired by our boneheads. <laughs> we'll just do it live action. Have the medieval times people transform yeah. and just beat oh, the crap out of each other that way you know, and jump into the audience. I mean, it wouldn't be hard to find an, an Ash lookalike to come in and save the day, you no, know, walk through. I see. So. And then maybe he puts you into a car of some sort that he put together, and he's trying to get you back to a portal that will take you back to your... I mean, wow. uh, I, I, I kind of like this haunted am house. I, am, I I, am I mirroring Star Trek the experience at all here? Because yeah. it sure sounds like it in my head. Well, now then that we I'm just got to take this to Landmark Entertainment, and it's yeah. a go. It's right. For a couple of years anyway, yeah. It's yeah. Good. Although, can I get on a soapbox here? Because you were mentioning <laughs> Blu-ray release. Oh, yes. And it popped into my head. All right. We've talked about this on, on both the show and the podcast before, about U.S. releases of Blu-rays needing to get their shit together. Yes. The European versions are so far superior. All right. I just found out. Okay. On October 26th. All right. Uh, I've known for a while. On October 26th, they're releasing... Back to the Future trilogy. Yes. On yeah. Blu-ray. Okay. Um, it looks gorgeous. I've, I've seen a few samples of the transfer, and it, it, it looks amazing. And I've been very excited about this for about a year. Torgum knows. I've, yeah, talk, yeah. I've talked about it um, a lot. Showing. I just found out okay. the UK and Australian versions of the Blu-ray sets are being released in a DeLorean model, <laughs> gorgeous <Those> set, <laughs> but it gets better. They've got like fold-out artwork and all kinds of tchotchkes that come in this box set. And I'm banging my head against the freaking monitor going, why can't I get this? Oh, that's... Oh. Well, probably because we ignore things like that. Which... which a uh, copy of Battlestar Gal- the original Battlestar Galactica you have. I got this big Cylon head, the one yeah. that's like this big. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've got that yeah. one. That those those set on the shelves forever, so I can kind of understand why we probably don't do that because we're, 
you know, we want little, you know, yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's, and you can see my, my Enterprise from the, the new Star Trek film. They do, they do little ones. It's like every now and then they come out with one and you're like, they're finally starting to get it. And then it's like they regress. They go back to just standard packaging. Well, well that's the, what the U.S. is getting is this standard box with the three discs. It's got all the extras that the, that the other versions are going to get, but it doesn't have the extra artwork. It doesn't have the DeLorean model. That is the case. Now, it does happen the event, uh, now and then. Uh, well, no, actually, no, because I was I was thinking the uh, Tron, the, the Neo Bust from Matrix. No, because because most of them now they just come with like a, like the toy that comes with it, like yeah, the, yeah. the Batman. Bot, well, yeah, my know. Bat Pod. Yeah, like, yeah. But uh, but not like a full container like the Alien full on skull that yeah. had all oh, the uh, that thing was gorgeous. The discs yeah. in the head. I still mm-hmm. have a picture of that, and I'm like, mm-hmm. even iRobot got a one to one robot yeah. bust that contained the dvd yeah the head yeah. The, the dvds went in the head yeah oh so yeah i'm 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 very do they sell though that's actually a good point i mean do they, they sell overseas apparently yeah but, yeah. Like, yeah, but they sell here. in I america because that's uh I, I, yeah i, saw I remember the... like like uh, even even translating to uh video games i remember the uh the the he- the halo release or no i'm sorry no 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 uh Call of uh, Duty Modern Warfare mm-hmm. that came with the night vision goggles and right. everything. And I remember passing the big, ginormous pile sitting in the mi- middle of the aisle where people were just actually not picking it up. Right. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, there, it's, it's not like it hasn't happened. I mean, it, I've had right. the, the Master Chief head from Halo 3 that, uh, as I recall, you know, going through fries and there's... Ten boxes of them sitting there, and this yeah. is like six months after the yeah, game was out. Yeah. They're still sitting there. And yep. the Tron Legacy upcoming game yeah. has that hundred dollar. So what is it about the market? Mic. What is it about the market in the UK and Australia? Because I would assume I, that they are smaller markets, which would yeah. just it would seem to me log, uh, business logic would say that that's even right. going to be a worse. They're, I think they're making worse. limited amounts, and, and yeah. they they do try it every now and then. My understanding mm-hmm. is the upcoming uh, Alien Blu-ray uh, collection has both a standard version and a collector's version as well. That has a a mm. statue of something like or there's an alien egg or something like that. I can't remember. That'll be cool. I mean, oh, I would be happy if they released it. You know, like limited quantities. <laughs> I mean, you know, say you know, limited to a thousand. And then saying, you know, okay, the only way you can get this is to pre-order or whatever. And then if this pre-order sells out, maybe they go, okay, there's a market. Here's another thousand. Yeah, tie you something know, to limit, it. You know, limit the numbers. That way, you know, people like myself could still have access to that. Because I love my tchotchkes. Yeah, well, it, it's, it's all about the swag. How do you sell it as, as swag? Because yeah. that's yeah. really what it is. I mean, I could I could have seen, you know, like the, the, the Halo thing, if you would have... Mm-hmm. There's a company out on the web that sells uh, bumper stickers and little stickers and all, all sorts of things that, even T-shirts, that say, Master Chief is my bitch. Yeah. I mean, you could tie that, get that T-shirt, yeah, that would they would have sold with that T-shirt connected right. to, the, to the box. But it's all about the marketing, and they don't seem to have a good grasp on, you know, what, what Americans will buy. Yeah, yeah. Well, there is probably. a there is a very special edition of the Alien one that's coming out. They're only like doing like a hundred, and in this edition, the DVD actually comes out of your own chest. Hey, <laughs> that's very expensive. That'd though. be awesome. Very cool. expensive, and you only get to watch it once. Yeah. Well, my they, they, they could well, maybe the first few minutes. <laughs> they could totally do that. Actually, um, uh, I was at, no, they could they could totally do that because. I was in uh, sure. one of those spirit Halloween stores that always crop up around Halloween. Right. Least. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, and they, they, they actually have a torso that you can strap on, that a little uh, a little 
alien comes out of with a, with a... They could do that. Well, my only hope with the Back to the Future thing is that uh, supposedly the British version is region-free. Oh! Would, would that's magical. Players, now, so you see... If, you, I, you if see. I find that out for certain, I may have to order that and just bite the you, bullet and pay for the shipping. You sell... So. Now, that's, that's an interesting thing. What They market it in the UK and Australia, but it's region-free. Mm-hmm. That's and then brilliant, that, that opens up the American market. Right. That's, mm, like I said, that's... That's, that's, that's weird. That's, uh, that's unconfirmed, yeah. but... If that's true, I may just have to. Uh, All right. Amazon.co.uk. Hello. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, The Walking Dead started out as a comic book series, and we'll soon see life as a TV series on AMC. Yes, looks and gorgeous. And now it will set out to conquer another format as a series of prose novels set to release sometime next year. As reported by Deadline, Robert Kirkman's story about the life after zombie apocalypse will get three novels published by St. Martin's Press, James, sorry, Thomas Dunn Books. The three books will be based on ideas and an outline from Kirkman with horror novelist Jay Bonasangia, Singa, Bonasinga, writing with the actual texts. Bonasinga has several novels to his credit already, and looking at the description of the books, Perfect Victim, Twisted and Shattered, he seems to be a writer whose style will fit well with Kirkman's own style. Deadline says that the story will take place in the Walking Dead universe, so we're not sure if it will feature Rick Grimes and the rest of the cast of the comic book series, or if the writer will create his own characters and keep them separate from the main cast. See, that, that's, that's mm. awesome. I, I, I love me some uh, a good post, post-apocalyptic movie or natural disaster movie. You just can't go wrong. Oh, yeah, especially when that's done by dead people. Yeah, zombies. Yeah. And and I I love I I absolutely loved Zombieland. I lo- <laughs> Rule number 1. Now the audiobook of those books would probably be done by zombies. That'd be, be see making authentic. <laughs> 45 hours of rains. And then you have the off off Broadway stage version. Oh yeah. Right? Lots of nudity. Good. And then Woo-hoo. and then the Brazilian interpretive underwater dance. <laughs> On paper, offering nearly 100% of a finished game free online to all players may not seem like a good business model. But the microtransaction economies have led many games to flourish, the latest being Lord of the Rings Online, which made the shift free-to-play only a month ago. Uh, Kate Piaz, the executive producer on the title, has said the shift has led to doubling of revenue in that time, (laughs) including 1 million new accounts and a 20% return rate from lapsed players. Over half of the current players now use microtransaction-based in-game stores, with additional inventory, inventory storage slots being the most popular items. The game has also seen a 300% increase in peak currency and 400% more active players. Lord of the Rings Online also surprisingly seen an increase in paid subscriptions. It worked! There you go. Yeah. Boom. There you go. That's the way to do it. So, uh, so eventually, what's just going to be wow? Just going to be the only one holding out, making people pay? Probably. As these things start to fall off and go free? What's mm. Star Trek Online doing? Uh, they're still um, kicking me in the balls for, for buying the lifetime subscription. But <laughs> Oh, you'll go yeah. back and play it one of these days. There you know what? You'll show they, your kids. I heard they just released the second season. It's supposed to be pretty cool. So. Yeah, they, they <laughs> did, but the, the humps still haven't, haven't set it up for, for us Mac users. No? Yeah. Bastards. <laughs> See? They don't know what they're missing. And one of the many video game adaptations currently in development, Limbo, the World of Warcraft movie, was hit with a major blow. 
after Sam Raimi, the proposed director of the project, walked out. Whoa. Wow. No statement has been issued from either Raimi or Legendary Pictures, the rights holder of the, for the film, on the subject when contacted by uh, Elder Geek, but it was believed Raimi left over scheduling concerns with his attachment to a prequel to The Wizard of Oz. Now that is unnecessary. I like the idea of a prequel. I mean, Wicked, you know, that's that's obviously going to And Raimi doing it, I like as well. So. Yeah, I, he's, I, his I can live with that camera walkout. style in Oz, I think, is a great <clears throat> bring together there. Yeah, but what's he going to focus on in the prequel? Dorothy turning tricks before she comes to the farm? Why? I don't think yeah. it's going to be about Dorothy at all. I think oh, it's going to no. be more about the wizard coming to Oz and for, and thus becoming the wizard. From the from this uh, snake oil salesman he was before. That's right. right. I think that's I think that sounds like a you fun get story. You as the wizard just coming in and uh... <sighs> <laughs> oh soul. Oh, you just soul. made a mess, Todd. Oh. <laughs> Goodness gracious! Oh, I go through so much underwear this way. <laughs> Better get them off. And that leads us to the big list. Yay! Okay. Yay. That's pretty good. Done. Oh, done. And you know what, we, uh, this one I ventured back to an old subject just because I really enjoyed this list and we've only just barely touched the surface of it. So here's right. a few more things we learned from video games from the list of 101 from Games Radar. Okay. All right, so gentlemen, we, this is knowledge we all know. All right. All right. Number 62. On the whole, you can withstand a lot more bullets, punches, and magic compared to the other guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Number 64, you don't need scintillating conversation to get on in life. Two-word commands will do just fine. I agree. Yes. Indeed, (laughs) sir. 68, kick enough rats and you'll eventually gain the strength, wisdom, and dexterity to take on the undead. (laughs) (laughs) Number 69, food can heal most serious injuries instantly. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Uh. Number 70, even cyborgs slash ninjas slash special agents able to smash whole cities with their fists and defeat the mightiest opponent in close combat are stumped when confronted with a locked door or box or have to go and have to go find the key. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Number 73, if you notice a discolored section of a brick wall, try running up real close and pressing on it, for it may give way and lead you to a secret cache of weapons and armor. Yeah. Yeah. Or it could just be where somebody took a whiz. That maybe you should touch it with your gloved. Hand. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Okay. Number seventy four, bullet holes will gradually disappear, foiling your attempts to draw cock and balls on the ground with a machine gun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> For that you need snuff. <laughs> Number seventy five, when you've run out of food and stuff, just leave the house and go back in again. I'll have to try that. Yeah. yeah. Number 76, when you kill people, sometimes they turn into food or money. Or some bullets. (laughs) Number 77, you can travel anywhere instantly as long as you've been there before. Number 80, flashlights last for only one minute, but thankfully recharge themselves over time. Uh... Number 82, if you're good enough at trading or bartering... Every single shop in the world will reduce their prices specifically for you. <laughs> and eighty uh, Torgo. <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> eighty three, you can lead a fulfilling and adventurous life and keep several friends 
without ever opening your mouth. And number 90, the world is packed with unexplored ruins, most of which are packed to the rafters with treasure. Despite this, no one has ever yet bothered to explore them. <laughs> number five, you can probably fit another rocket launcher in your rucksack if you carefully rearrange those four ammo clips in that Coke can. <laughs> and finally, number 97, frogs die in water. <laughs> <laughs> And that is it for this week's Geek Shock, folks. But uh, if you have something to add to us, write to us. Comments at UglyCouchShow.com or just write to us on the comments section there on the webpage. And, of course, all your uh, wonderful comments at iTunes and Zoom and all their little aggregators. That goes a long way in spreading the word, and we appreciate that. So friend us on Facebook and you know, just pat us on the back and say hi when you pass us on the street. Buy us a beer or, uh, or a us, nice soda. Give us a good rating. You know, we, we, we like that. Move us up the list. And Jim like Kirsten, want to thank you for joining us on this cast. Yeah, uh, thank like, you. Our Honor. thoughts go out to Barry, who is all, suffering. Uh, suffering at home. Suffering. Deb is making him suffer. No, I think she's actually trying to relieve his suffering, and uh, yeah, he's just. I, I, I like to more. Imagine, you like it your way better. <laughs> I like. I like yeah. to imagine Deb just <laughs> really just making them shake his head over. And I think over. he makes Deb suffer more than. He, he makes us all suffer. That's true. So he really does. So, What He's a complicated way to say, feel better, Barry. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. <laughs> you only hurt the ones you love. There you go, yeah. <laughs> and that was the show. I am Master Torgo. 80's Jeff. Commander K. And just some guy hanging around. Yeah, <laughs> just the guy we found. Hang outside. We gave him a soup. Go hey. out and read more cock and dick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, go do something geeky. We'll see you next week. And speaking of... Uh, this is going to be the last time we do news for a few weeks, but we have some special edition uh, Geek Shocks coming your way uh, where we kind of probe who we are as geeks and why. Ow! Yeah, oh. so probing, oh. coming to you soon. Oh. We like so, probing. No. So you're going to have to get your own news for the next few weeks, so have fun, take care, bye-bye, bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Ciao. Bye. 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 Don't forget to ride. Same, same, Solomon. Bye.